0: Uh, and I hope that you would continue to pray, brother. Uh, brother Blair called me this morning, and uh, he said, "What are you doing?" I said, "Well, what I'd normally do on Sunday mornings—look uh, forward to going to the house of God and trying to preach—and dread if I'm not able. <laughs> and it's a—it's a difficult matter for a minister of the gospel. Uh, so I need your prayers, uh, and and and." You know, you you need the 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 favors of God no no less or no greater than I do, uh, because this this is our time together as a unified body of one consent and one mind to offer up our praises to God through song, uh, and to try to preach the gospel, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, and it is a glorious gospel indeed, and when. When the Lord's Lord's ministers hit the nail on the head um, and rightly divide the word of truth, there is a great light and liberty for for those individuals who listen to it. And um, that is my prayer this morning, to try to hit the nail on the head. I I do not wish to to speak on matters that are unfamiliar, uh, but it is an old familiar matter to us all that i like to speak of this morning. And um, I want to uh, to a, a scripture I quoted last week, in the, in the uh, you know in the in the mouth or in the in the presence of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. That's, that comes from Deuteronomy. The Lord Himself repeated it, and Paul does in the book of 2 Corinthians. Uh, so there's 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 three witnesses I'm going to uh, go to this morning concerning the same subject, and we're going to find that all three agree. If you get get the Savior himself speaking a certain way and you can go to a prophet that speaks the same thing and then wind up with an apostle who does not change the the context, uh, I'd say that's three solid witnesses about a matter that's that's very important. Uh, It's important for God's people to know as to understand the, uh, the concept of free grace and the results of free, sovereign a grace of God and and how this all comes about now the 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 first place is a very familiar scripture to the uh, to the church here at Buffalo I've, I've tried this on many occasions I shall go back to it it's in the third chapter of John it's when Nicodemus came to the Lord by night now he says that Nicodemus uh, was a ruler of the Jews so he, he had a prominent position uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in, in, the, in the Pharisees' uh, sect that, they, uh, that he was a part of. Now, he came by night by, by reason. One thing is he just did not want to be seen with Jesus, not out in public. You know, uh, that's, uh, that's kind of a no-no back then. If, uh, if you're seen with this man, uh, then, uh, you know, you may be kicked out of the synagogue. So, uh, the, uh, you know, Nicodemus just snuck in there at night. Uh, him and the Lord, a one-on-one conversation. Now, and, and uh, Nicodemus said, <coughs> Rabbi, which is master, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Now, you know, if, if somebody was to, to express something you did that was really magnificent, you know, if, if, uh, if, if you just accomplished something that, man, you've been trying and you finally got this thing done, somebody says, that's a good job, you probably respond with, well, I appreciate that. Thanks. You know, I, I appreciate the good, kind words. Uh, <clears throat> the Lord doesn't say that, does He? He doesn't say, thank you very much. I appreciate you uh, witnessing what you did and, 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 and telling me about it. <clears throat> the next lesson is vital for us to understand that Jesus completely goes into a matter that is going to show us that it doesn't matter what outward works that Christ ever did, though they be so marvelous, though, though He would raise the dead, cause the blind to see, the lame to, uh, to walk, the deaf to hear, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, it didn't matter what outward work he did. No matter how great it was, no outward observation of the Lord's work can give spiritual life. Now, I'm convinced that Nicodemus was a child of God. I, I, that's you know we, we last the our meeting here last uh, last March when we had the big standing meeting. Y'all remember the sermon, Elder uh, Elder Blakely from Alabama preached about. Uh, about Nicodemus, you know, I think he, I think he hit a, he hit a home run with that one, and that was a, it was a, a good discourse concerning Nicodemus and his growth, where he goes in at night to be hid, and at the end of it all, he's right there wrapping the body. I mean, he has no, no, he don't worry about what the sect of the Pharisees say about him. He's wrapping the body of Jesus Christ, helping in that and uh, anointing him with spices. So that's, that's progression, you know, as a believer. That's coming out of your shell. That's, that's absolutely uh, you know, uh, owning the Lord and don't care who knows it. So uh, <clears throat> that's not my question here. And that's not the, the discourse. But that Jesus Christ says to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, <clears throat> Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now that, that, that's a whole different subject. Nicodemus just says you're a man of God. The works you do are wonderful. You've got to be a man of God. No man can do it without being a man of God. And Jesus says, well, except you're born again, you can't see the kingdom. <clears throat> now, the, the word born again literally means born from above. Now, it is a, it is, you know, if, if, if you know the, the, the natural, the state of life, um, you know, as a as a father of five, um, I knew when you know when, when when Ginger would be expecting child that the, the child is formed in a womb. And that womb is, is a is a is like a sack filled with water. That's exactly what it is. It, and it contains, you know, you know, that babies are living in water. You talking about a miracle you know go try to duck yourself under the water and do much breathing it doesn't work does it when you're outside the womb but in the womb you're you're you know you're immersed in water uh, that is the power of god that a, that a child can live so so as a as, as as Nicodemus responds now again with a logical conclusion how how can a man be born again when he is old can he enter into the womb of his mother a second time and be born again? You know, being, being old and this size, Nicodemus, how, how's this going to work? You know, how, how, does, how does, what is the, you give me an explanation of this, please, Rabbi, Master, Lord. You know, you're, you're an amazing man, that is for sure, but I can't understand this. So the Lord Jesus Christ responds. Verily, verily, again, truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, that is, of flesh. Now, the Lord does not, uh, he says, in other words, your first birth is you come from water. But that's not it. Just because your mama has you in this world and just because you see miracles does not mean you can enter or see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a special place designed for a special people. It is designed for the children of God. And they can only see this and they can only enter into this place that is on a uh, a spiritual sphere. It is a a kingdom that is not of this world. The ultimate one is in heaven to which they are uh, prepared by Christ to enter into. And then there is one on this earth that Jesus Christ sets up and establishes. Uh, The kingdom of God being at hand. And uh, the Lord says you can't see it. You can't enter into it. The only exception is you have got to be born of God and your mama does not give you that birth. She cannot teach you to be born of God. She cannot convince you to be born of God. She has no power, nor does your father, nor does your brethren, nor does your kinfolk, nor does your best friends, nor does the preacher. I cannot. And I'm, I'm going to we're going to prove the power of God in the new birth. This is, this is the end of this discourse or the purpose for this discourse. <clears throat> and how this never changes in the scriptures. It is fixed to gospel truth and prophecy in the words of Jesus and by the apostle Peter. So, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, there it is, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh from the water is flesh. Carol Oughton gave birth to a sinner. That's as good as she could do. Three of them, actually. Two of them are here. (laughs) Three of them. My wife gave birth to five of them. Four of those are here. That's all we could do. That's as good as we can produce. The psalmist David said, I was conceived in sin and shapen in iniquity. That's as good as mama can give. Now, <clears throat> that which is born of flesh is flesh. Let's leave it there. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. That's a whole different birth. Now, in both cases, just like my children had no They they had no power to accept the life that Ginger and I gave them. They didn't. They did not choose to be born. They were the product of a design of their mother and their father. Every child of God being born of God is a product of the design of their eternal God, Father, Son, and Spirit. They do not choose it. It simply, simply is a way that God has chosen to give them eternal life. That's how God works. that, that is the power of God in this, and that's what the Lord is teaching. As as uh, as the lesson goes, you you have no uh, you know you, you have no way in the world of consenting to the fact that your mom and dad had you. You do not consent to the fact that you're born above, born from above. Now, this power is out of your hands. Well, you say, whose hands is it in? It's in the hands of somebody that can get it done. And that's not mom and dad, and that's not the preacher, and that's not the church members here. That's no one other than God himself. The work of grace... On the heart is a work of God. And and, and you can put a nice period at the end of that. That's what Jesus is saying. And except that you are born uh, from above. You cannot see these things. You will not understand. Though you are a master in Israel. Though you have a pedigree with the Pharisees. Though you see my outward works. But accept. You are quickened by the Spirit of God. You can't enter or see the kingdom of God. Now, then he tells Nicodemus, don't marvel at this. <laughs> the reason why he says don't marvel, because he is in control of it. Any other person that had to consent or had to be a part of this design, you know, the, I don't think the Lord could say, don't marvel at this. Because it would be a marvelous thing. In fact, it would be an impossible thing for a sinner to have to be able to help God to do something that only God's able to do. It's an impossibility. That's why he says don't marvel. If, if, if Lofton was involved in this, Jesus Christ would tell Nicodemus, "This, you better marvel at the fact that anybody's ever born from above because... I have got to convince wretched sinners that are my enemies by nature, <clears throat> that by nature do not seek me, that by nature do not love me, that by nature do not, they have no righteousness, they are, there's none good, by nature they are, they are completely deprived uh, uh, and, and depraved. Uh, <clears throat> the Lord describes the heart of man, remember, in the, in, uh, in the Gospels, and He says, out of the heart of man, what? proceed evil thoughts. Now how am I going to convince somebody who's only got evil thoughts? Now the heart of man precedes murders, adulteries, fornications, envy, strife, seditions. All these things come from the heart of man and they defile the man. That's how man is defiled in and of himself. So how would the Lord ever have to convince somebody like us to change our ways, to change our hearts? That would be something to marvel at because it'd be impossible but nothing is impossible with God. Marvel not, says the Lord <clears throat> that I say unto thee, you must be born again and then here comes the great lesson of how the wind blows. Just how, how does the wind blow? Did you did you get up this morning? you know it's been windy lately. It's, every day has, has been really windy. How many of us get up in the morning and say, all right, I'm going to cause the wind to come out of the south today because I want it to be a little bit warmer. I want it to bring me a little heat. Who has that power? Not me. I mean, you know, yesterday or the day before, after the rain moved through, it was, it was a cold northwest wind. You know, if I had the power, I said, let's change this thing. Let's, let's bring it from the other direction. It's, it's cold out here uh <clears throat> Jesus is saying, "If you cannot control the wind and you can't, you simply see its effects. The wind, Nicodemus, blows where it wants to, where it listeth. That's what that word means, where it designed, where it's desired. It has, a, it has a designer. God is in control of the wind. God is. and as the wind blows, according to his designer, and all you can do is observe the effects of that wind. That's the lesson. That is the lesson. It blows where it listeth, thou hearest the sound thereof, but you cannot tell from whence it cometh. Where did it originate today? Where did the breeze that we see that, that blows the trees, exactly where it originated, I don't know. But I see how it blows the trees. I see the effects on how it bends a tree over, bows him to the ground. A strong enough breeze, you know, we'll, we'll take the tree and just, and just fold it over like that. Almost, almost as if the tree is bowing before its maker. That's that's the lesson. Now, the next part has always been intact and forever will be intact. <clears throat> Jesus does not give way to different designs by men to have this quickening or this being born again done he says so is everyone that's without exception <clears throat> that is without exception everybody that is quickened or born again from god is born again the same way by the same power the lord jesus christ has just told us that there are no different systems to get people born again There is only one system that will work, and that is God's. And when the wind blows and an individual is uh, is affected by the wind, they now feel the effects of where eternal life comes from. That is the the only system. Jesus Jesus Christ says, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit, born this way. So don't marvel at it because it's in the hands of God. There's one witness. There is a witness about the blowing wind doing its work. All right, let's go to witness number two in the 40th chapter of the prophet Isaiah. Now, you know, as a, as a minister of the gospel, you know, when I, I pray, I, I, I study my Bible, and I pray that God will give me the grace to, to know what to preach, what will be profitable for you. And, and certainly that would be glorifying to God. I do not want to preach anything that's not glorifying to God that doesn't give Him the complete praise for His work of salvation. I don't want to. Uh, uh, so, so when a minister of the gospel is is uh, is praying and 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 and, uh, and reading, then then God gives. You know, sometimes God gives things. You think this, you know. This has to be from God. It is like, you know, it's like a great light that comes on and you're you're so thankful, then you worry that you're not going to be able to get that point out. All right? But God has never wrote the sermon down for me and gave it to me. Never has. I've never received a letter from God saying, this is what I want you to preach. This is it. Now, 700 years before the birth of John the Baptist, God wrote his sermon down for him. God wrote the sermon down for John the Baptist 700 years before the man was even born. And in, uh, in the first chapter of John, you know, they questioned, and I'm talking about the Gospel of John. Gospel of the, the, uh, the Apostle John was speaking about John the Baptist. And he says that the Pharisees and the, the, uh, had sent people to come to John and question him, say, Art thou Elijah? He says, I am not. Art thou that other prophet? He says, No. Well, what saith thee of thyself? What shall we answer those who to, uh, to have sent us to thee to question thee these things? John says, You tell them, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, saying, Make straight the paths of our Lord, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah. See, John could read his sermon, and, and John, you know, John, John's dad and mother were religious. In fact, he was a priest. He would, he was, he was a part of the priesthood. <clears throat> so John could know his discourse years before he was going to preach it. Because there wasn't a fixed time that John the Baptist was to come on the scene of this life as a minister of the gospel now it's you know when God gives you a sermon that's good <laughs> you know when when he gives it to me and I think boy I, I really long, look forward to preaching this but, if, if, but when God writes it down that's even better so let's go let's go read John the Baptist's sermon see if it in any way resembles what the Lord had just told Nicodemus So the voice of him in the 40th chapter and the third verse, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord and make straight in the desert the highway of our God. There you go. That's me, John says. That's me. That's all I can do. I can cry. I can cry. And then in the fifth verse, it says the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed in the gospel. That's all it can do. It can't quicken. It can't give eternal life. The gospel has no power to give what only God, the author of the gospel, gives. But it does expose and reveal the glory of the Lord. All flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. The mouth of God has spoken this to you, John, 700 years before you're even born. So John can question And the next he says, the voice said, that's the voice of God. The voice of God telling John, preach. John's question is, or or cry, when that means it says cry aloud, to speak, speak loudly. The voice said cry, and he said, what shall I cry? What's going to be my discourse? What's going to be my sermon? And here's your answer. All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof as the flower of the field. Notice what, Notice how God compares us to grass. Now, He doesn't compare us in this point right here to a fruit-bearing tree, does He? He doesn't say all flesh is like the apple tree. It can bear fruit. It has the possibility of bearing fruit. What a beautiful tree it is. No, He says grass. Things that get stomped on. You know, trampled underfoot of cattle and, and, uh, and, and, and all the things that, you know, that can walk on grass. How small is it, in other words? You know, I look outside my window this morning as I was reading this, and I, I, you know, I've cut my grass a couple of times, but there's part of the field that I've never cut, and it's it's a, you know, and there's all these trees that are so much bigger, and there's shrubs that are that are nice and big. There there's flowers and things that have so much beauty, and then there's this old ugly grass. There's no ugly grass. Not much fit to look at, really. In and of itself, compared to those other things, not much at all. It's just it's it's just grass. So God, you know, God compares us to things in the Bible that, you know, that, that offends people. I mean, you know, I, there was a there was a woman who was planning on changing the words of "Amazing Grace" because she said the the, the word "wretch" is just too demeaning. Come now, that that, that describes us fully. You know, don't don't change what God has taught. The apostle, if the apostle Paul said, Oh wretched man that I am," God forbid any child of God questioning such a feeling as that, or saying that is demeaning. Uh, so, so, God, what God compares us to, and a lot in this world is is really puny stuff, and He means to. But not only is the grass there, but he says the flower, there's a glory in man. It's like the flower of it. It's like the, you know, there's just a, there's a part of you that, that when, uh, you know, when you rise up, you're born and you got ambition, you've, you've got a lot of determination. You've, you've got plans what you're going to do there. You're really not bothered by anything. You may have religion. Mom and dad may take you to church. They may not take you to church. Who knows? Who knows? In, In the world today, probably not, probably not. But if you're brought up in church and there you are, listening to the you know, to a, a boring old sermon, means nothing to me. I wish I was somewhere else. Look at the glorious sunshine out here. You know, I could be fishing. I could be, I could be doing something totally different than there. Why do they drag me to church for? Why do they drag me to the house of God where the church meets? Let's put it that way because that's, kind of, that's more scriptural. Why do they drag me there? And, and, and uh, I've got ambition. So and, and, you know, with no inclination... No inclination of taking up a cross. Though the preacher says it, the preacher commands through the the Word of Christ to take the cross, follow Him, uh, serve Him all the days of your life, and the individual sits out there and says, man, I wish you'd hurry up. Leaves that place full of pride, just like it came in. That's the flesh. That's our glory. That's who we are and nothing else. Remember, this is not a fruit-bearing tree. This is simply a blade of grass that has a little bit of glory in it until God gets a hold of it. Now notice the blade of grass does not ask God to blow upon it. John's sermon, written by Isaiah, his very discourse matches to what Jesus Christ told Nicodemus. Alright. So we got the flower. Got man, you know, man just uh just, just very happy with himself, enjoys his life. <clears throat> then he says, the grass withereth. Oh dear. The grass withereth. The flower fadeth. Now this is not because of time. You know, you know, when I <laughs> I considered myself 30 years ago to look better than I do now. That's true. You know, that that's you know, I had more hair, my beard wasn't gray. Uh, Skylar, she agrees with me. <laughs> she agrees with me. Uncle Kevin is, is uglier now than he ever has been. That's true. That's true. Uh, but this is not time. This is this is not that glory. This is a a, a blade with its flower that immediately the the, the, the the grass withers and that glory fades. Why? Why? Because, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth on it. It changes the fashion of a proud individual. When the wind of God's grace blows, and again, do not the, the, the word there's a cause and an effect. Cause and effect means something when it comes to the Bible. In fact, there's so much that gets confused without understanding the terminology cause and effect. There is a cause of something, just like just like a wind circuit. The effect is, what's well, bending this tree over? I can't see it. But I see how it works. <clears throat> so the cause is being born from God. That is to be born from above. Simply means that there that that the Holy Ghost. Now I believe in Ghost. I believe in one of them, that and, and that Ghost. That Holy Ghost. Now notice the terminology is holy. Simply comes in at His own time. To an individual that is full of pride and full of, full of vanity, full of himself or herself, and he robs them. Jesus is a thief. We talked about this before. He, in fact, that's what Christ said concerning Himself. When a stronger man comes in to the to the to the individual who is uh, his his goods are at peace, a strong man armed, keeps his palace, my house, my home, right here. This is where I live, y'all. I live in this body. This is my tabernacle. And when I was grass and a flower and the glory of that flower, I lived at peace with myself. No troubling nature of God at all. None. And that's the way it is with every child of God. You can't teach that. But Jesus says one stronger comes in. Now, a stronger man don't need to ask. <laughs> he don't need permission. A strong man, Jesus says, I am the stronger man. When I come in, I spoil his goods. Now, where I take away the armor where he trusts, Take things away from us. leaves us in a state of spiritual poverty. Spiritual poverty. You don't hear that much. Because most people think, well, when you're born again, everything's just... It's glorious. It's hunky-dunky. Everybody says happy. Go get born again. You'll be nothing but happy all the days you life. No. Listen. When the Son of God, when when the when the Spirit of God enters into an individual, it's the last thing that you are is happy. At that point, you become completely exposed because the nature of God now dwells in you, and if and God is light. In him is no darkness at all. So when God comes in, then light is shed, and all the sin and all that you are is now exposed to you. That's how God works. That's that is what is called spoiling your goods and taking away the armor wherein you trusted. So God wounds first, does He not? And then God heals. God kills first, does He not? And then God makes alive. Oh, Simeon, the old, the old 80-something-year-old man that, that took the Lord Jesus Christ in his arms when right took it right from Mary and, and told Mary, the, uh, you know, this, this child uh, uh, is set. Notice what he is set for. This child is set for the fall first and then rise again of many in Israel. The fall comes first, then the rise. The wound comes first, then the heal. The kill comes first, then the making alive. That's God's way, and Isaiah calls God's ways strange ways and strange acts. That is strange to us, but God doesn't ask us, does He? Does He seek your permission? Can I do this? Is this okay with you? Will you permit me? No. The grass simply is changed when the Spirit of God blows on it. It's, it's, it 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 withers. The glory fades. The Son of God is now dwelling in. The individual feels their their poverty. So the the Beatitudes, Jesus Christ says what? And and the the first thing Jesus Christ says in Matthew chapter 5 on the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the poor in spirit, those I've robbed. Theirs is the kingdom. Remember, you must be born again to enter into it. Well, how do I know that I'm born again? Have you got poverty? Have you been robbed? How do I know I've ever been born? How do I know that I'm a child of God? How do I know that i got the indwelling of God's Spirit in me, that the Spirit of God has blown upon me? Has He not bowed you over? Has He not exposed you to yourself? Has He not made you know that you are a vain and vile and wretched and, and miserable individual? Listen, don't, let's don't sugarcoat it. That's, what, that's how God shows us. That's, that is how God works. Because until you see yourself that way, you cannot see him as a perfect savior. You know, if if he just simply needs your help, then you don't see him right. But now, if so, if, if he has made you poor in spirit, you are in a blessed condition. That you know, Jesus Christ is not that. That's not a. Uh, he's not preaching a, 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 um, a proposal to you. To you know, if you'll just go get poor in spirit. No, he is preaching identity. He is there is a way to identify that this kingdom is yours. Now you can see it, and you have a right to enter into it. And the heaven one of these days will be your home, and you can you can mark that down as sure as there is a God in heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, <clears throat> the poor in spirit, what do they need? Well, the Son of God tells them what they need. There's nothing else in this world. I say there is nothing else in this world, no matter what invention it is that man has come up with, that will take the place of what Christ says that the poor need. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus Christ says, this scripture being fulfilled in your ears this day, He says that the Spirit of God is upon me that I will preach. The gospel to the poor. Ah, they need the gospel. They need the gospel. Not just any gospel. They didn't say a gospel. The gospel. I will preach the gospel to those I have wounded. You go look at the Lord's sermons. Go tell, go, go. look at what uh, Christ taught and how, how Christ preached. Alright? And, and, and when there was a question with, with uh, the disciples, the John the Baptist and, and, the, and, and some of the Lord's disciples, uh, and they come to, jo- to, to, uh, to the Lord and said, Are thou here do we look for another? John wants to know. He's in prison now. John wants to know. He says, You go tell John that the dead are raised again. You go tell him that the deaf hear. You go tell him that the blind see. You go tell him that the lepers are cleansed. And that the poor Have the gospel preached to them. To them, not at them. To them. Now, there is a lesson in poverty in this. Lest we, as the old Baptists say, it doesn't matter if you go to church or not. It matters. There is an exposure of your poverty there. The only thing that Christ gives us that, that, that will satisfy that poverty are the things of Christ himself. What what God destroys in us, God gives a solution to fill it. It's the things of Christ. So, folks who you know say, "Well, I don't really like going to hear the gospel." Check your poverty level. It may not be as deep as you think it is. Check your poverty level. There's nothing to change. What Jesus Christ gives to fill what He has created. That's how important the kingdom of God on this earth is. That is your kingdom, by the way. You have a right to it. You can see it. You have a right to praise God in it. He will accept your voices. He will accept your, your, uh, uh, your worship. He will accept your songs. He will accept our prayers. Because you have Christ in you. That, you know, it's, a, it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. But how glorious does God set His own way of saving and then His own way of being glorified up? And we just are the blessed participants and recipients of such a divine and glorious, wonderful God. So when the Spirit blows, the grass withers, its flower fades. And then Christ says, Come unto me, all you that labor, and are heavy laden because I've made you that way. I have worked in you guilt, shame. I have worked in you knowledge of your sins. I have written my laws in your heart and inscribed them in your minds. Now you come unto me and you'll find rest. That is, you lay all these burdens that you feel that I've created upon me. I'm going to show you just how sure of a Savior I am to you. I'm going to show you how much I love you. I'm going to show you. Well, how, Lord? I'm going to show you by pointing you over to a cross I hung on on your behalf. That's why why you're born again, by the way. That is the result of Christ's death is eternal life. So Jesus says, you know, uh, in, in John 17, in that great prayer to God, he said, Father, glorify thy Son that He may also, may also glorify thee as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he, that is Christ, should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. God gave Jesus Christ the people. Jesus Christ went to the cross on behalf of the people. And then those people are born from above and are, have the Spirit of God to blow upon them to, to, to ruin their fashion invaded by God and now we can meet together with a common consent to say we're sinners and unless Christ died for my sins I shall pay for them myself and be separated from God that is my conclusion to that and it's a right but oh how (laughs) you know there's no greater there is no greater thing for a worm like me And to know, and you know, and the Bible compares us to worms too, y'all. Dogs and sows, jackasses. I'm going to get there just a little bit. For me to know that the Son of God, so perfect and pure, would give his life and bear the indignation of God on my behalf. That That is a worthy Savior. All right. So, the grass withers, why? Because, because, cause and effect, because the Spirit of God blows upon it. Jesus says, don't marvel at that to Nicodemus. Don't you marvel? And It's nothing, nothing amazing because I'm going to take care of it. <clears throat> because the Spirit of God bloweth upon it. And then he says, O Zion, that brings good tidings. Get thee up into the high mountain. There's your the church. There's the kingdom on earth. There is a, there is a view of the kingdom on earth as we see in Isaiah chapter 2, when the Lord shall establish His mountain in the top of the mountains. When the kingdom of uh, the, the, the glorious gospel church that Jesus sets up in, in Matthew 16, Jesus calls it a city set on a hill. It's up high. Get you up to it, He says. Get up to it. The good news is, is that this is, what, this is the reason you feel like this, the Spirit of God has blown upon you. Now you can see the kingdom. You can enter into the kingdom. You understand the kingdom. The, uh, you are poor in spirit. now, the, the, And the kingdom is yours. Now get up to it. Go to it. And guess what you're going to say there? Behold our God. That's it. Behold your God. That is the theme of any uh, uh, any minister who ever preaches the truth can only say, Behold your God, what He has done for you. Behold how He has blown upon you. Behold how the Spirit has moved you. Behold how He has, he has uh, uh, so uh, brought you down. But behold how He built you up. Behold how He died for you. Behold your God. That's a good thing. That is a good one. I don't know of a better one. Because there's not any because it's God's theme y'all this is what God this is the sermon laid out for John the Baptist. all right <clears throat> behold the Lord will come with strong hand. notice notice the prophecy. It doesn't say the Lord's going to try to be as strong as he can and, and and convince those sinners. I just need to convince my people if they'll just do what I say and and, and accept my work on their behalf and, and then and then, you know, we'll try to make this thing work together. Notice the language. The language means something. Behold, the Lord will come with a strong hand. His arm shall rule for him. There is no question. That this is this, this is a good sermon. The, his arm shall rule for him. And behold, his reward is with him. There you are in Christ. Remember, God gave you to Christ? You are His reward, and you were with Him when He was an infant. You were with with Him when He was in the womb of Mary. And when He was born in Bethlehem, and the angels praised His name, guess who was there? You were. You were with Him. You were in Him in that covenant. He is your surety. He is your pledge. He is your salvation, even as a little baby. You were with Him. Behold, His reward is with Him, and His work is before Him. It's his work, y'all, and nobody else's. Nobody else could do what Christ did for his people and save them from their sins. This was his work. And then it says, and this goes back to, this goes back to the church. This goes back to the kingdom, back to poverty and the need to hear the gospel and not just hear about how, how, what wonderful things God has done for us. That is good. But now, have you ever just sit and thought about that? You know, we sang that song, "I gave my life for Thee," and and uh, you know, I, all the things I did for Thee. What hast Thou done for me? Four verses in that song, and all of them are questions. You know, what what did, this is what I've done for you? What have you done for me? <clears throat> now, most most of us, most of Baptist, you can go to. And you probably can quote it. You, you can quote out of Ephesians. You can quote out of 8th chapter of Romans, 6th chapter of John, 10th chapter of John. Some of these staple scriptures. <clears throat> and and uh, I don't have a habit of, of writing in my Bible. Nothing wrong with it. But, you know, when, but some people highlight. They highlight those things. Or they underline those things in their Bible. My, my wife, she, she writes in hers. And, and, she, and she takes notes. Of, of, uh, of sermons, not just mine, but everybody's that she hears. <clears throat> but do you ever notice that the things that we underline and highlight are what God does for us? We don't, I, I, I dare to say, we probably don't even know the scriptures of what we are to do for God. Most people do not highlight the Lord Jesus Christ saying, if a man love his Wife, his mother, his father, his son, his daughter, yea, even his own life, more than me, he's not worthy of me. Most people don't highlight that and underline it. Because that's what we owe him. We're selfish. We want to know what he has done for us. I mean, that, that, let's just let's be honest, be brutally honest. I want to know what he's done for us, but what I am commanded to do for him, don't tell me. Now we shouldn't be that way. And I hope you're not that way. I hope that's not the way that you are. But most people do not know those scriptures are in there. Now, this is what we do for God. What we're doing today. And then when you leave here, that doesn't change. You know, you don't you don't come into the house of God as a as a good, humble servant of God, and then and then once you get back out there you just Just as wild as a buck. You know, don't no, don't, don't, don't treat your Lord that way. Don't treat your do not trample underfoot the Son of God. God will get you back. He promises that. He says, I will judge my people. Vengeance belongs to me. I will repay. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I have been in that spot before. Do not think, if you're a practicing sinner, that you're going to avoid it. If you're a child of God, you will not avoid it. He will get you, in some sense, way and form. And that's not pleasant. There's no peace in that. But what we do, how we live, reflects on how much we love our God. That's what the Lord says. Now, these are words of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ says, If a man has my commandments, and he keeps my commandments, that same man loveth me. He said, But a man that has my commandments and does not keep them, that same man loveth me not. John says, By this we know that we love God when we keep his commandments. Boy, that's, that's tough. Most people don't underline things like that. By this we know that we love God when we keep his commandments. I mean, it's like as a, as, a, as a father or a mother, and you tell your children, that's what I want you to do, and your children say, I don't think i want to do that now. That don't fly. You know, I, you know our kids do that. Uh, I probably did that myself, you know. <laughs> Mom and Dad tell me something, I'm having to say it out loud, and I'm like, I'm not going to do that right now. Listen, when, when God commands us to do something, just, just think of you and your child. Just think if your child says, no, Lord, or, or it's, no, Dad, no, Mom. I don't think I really want to do what you say. That's not going to go over very well in most people's homes. I know in here it wouldn't. I know most of you who are mothers and fathers in here, that wouldn't fly. Now what about your Heavenly Father who commands? What about the Lord who commands? Commands, 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 obedience because of what He's done for you. For the glory of His name's sake, and then by this, you know that you love the, uh, the Lord because there is, a, there is a reward of manifestation. I, can, I won't get into that. That's found in John 14. So we have the Lord's language, a witness. We have Isaiah's language, a witness concerning God blowing and God doing this himself only. Now... You know, one spiritual life, let's go to 1 Peter. We're, we're going to draw this to a conclusion. A lot of this is the same, same wording. Um, now listen, I forgot in the 8th chapter of Isaiah 40, just one little, one little segment. Uh, but the word of God shall stand forever. That's what Isaiah said. The word of God shall stand forever. Now I want you to understand there's, there's three levels of God's, of, of, of God's word, all right? That I have found in the Bible. I mean, I mean, there, there's more. But but as, as far as this goes here, concerning the spiritual kingdom of God, there's there's three levels of God's word. One is God's decree. His, his decree to do something is His word. That is what God has purposed to do. Is God's own word. So so when I, uh, so in Isaiah, uh I believe it's the. I believe it's Isaiah 50. 55, maybe or 56, I'm not sure, but but, uh, but God says, as the sun or as the as the rain and the snow falls on the earth and and uh, and it brings forth, that is, it does its design and its purpose, right? It gives bread to the eater and it gives seed to the sower. So shall my word that be, or so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void. But it shall prosper in the thing that I send unto it. For whatever I say, I'm going to, it's, I'm going to make it work. <laughs> He's going to make it work in spite of us, too, y'all. He's going to make it work in spite of us. All right. So that, so God's decree is a word. That word stands forever. You can't change it. Uh, you know there are uh, there are many devices of men, but the uh, uh, but the word of God. Uh, says the says the, uh, the writer of the book of Proverbs uh, that that shall stand. Men devise many things, but it doesn't alter the Word of God. So there is a word, there is the Word, there is then the Living Word. All right, there is Jesus Christ, the Logos, the Living Word. That's who He was. That, he, he, there's no better communication link between God and us than Christ Jesus Himself, who is the Word, who took the the decreed Word and fulfilled it. Right? The living Word took the decreed Word. As God says, you'll have to die. The Son says, I'll do it. God says, I'll not spare you, but I'm going to deliver you up for my people that they may be saved from my wrath. Christ says, I'll do it. That is the living Word fulfilling the decreed Word. And then we have the written Word that exposes both. It just simply reveals them opens up to us to give us greater light. So now remember that light in the gospel, Peter has an advantage over Isaiah. Nobody has an advantage over the Lord. But over Isaiah, Peter has an advantage. So in the first, first Peter, first chapter, <clears throat> notice what he says, 18th verse. For as you know, now remember Isaiah talked about his strong arm, about a work before him. Peter gets right on down and tells us what it is. As you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. There's his strong arm. There's God's strong arm. The precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Uh, You know, there's greater light in this, isn't there? Now, Now we get to know who he is. And, uh, and and that the Lord, listen, and and you you remember in the book of Exodus, God talked about redeeming things. You know that the that the firstborn. Did you know if you were the firstborn male in your family, your mom and dad had to pay God back to get you. that, that is, or or you would be a servant under the law, to that to the uh you know to, to do something. So so there was redemption. Mom and dad had to pay money. To which God tells them to do it. He said, You redeemed your firstborn with money. That's under the law. Then he says something different, says something else. He said, But the firstling or the firstborn of an ass. That's right after this. There is no there there's one verse and then this verse. But the firstborn of of an ass. Now, in the book of Job, Job says, or, or that, that the I can't remember which one says if he says, vain man will be wise, though he be born like a wild ass's coat. You mean God is describing us as a wild ass? Yes he is. That's your glory and your flower. Man be born like a wild ass. Stubborn and stupid. Very stubborn. Hard to tame. Very full full of pride. Stomps his feet. Job describes this a little bit greater. You're going to go read it. I, I can't remember which chapter. I think it's in the 12th chapter of Job. He describes how asses act. How the wild ass acts. How they stomp their feet. They're going to heel. They snuff at the inhabitants of the land. They're like, ha, who are you? That's, that's, that is man. That is man. But notice what God says concerning redemption of an ass. Notice the only thing that redeems the ass is not money. He says, but the ass is redeemed by a lamb. you got to sacrifice a lamb to save the wild ass. That's Exodus chapter 13. So so one of the great great examples, which is the example of Jesus Christ's triumphant uh, entry into Jerusalem. Remember remember the prophecy concerning him? Behold. Remember, behold your God. We read about that in Isaiah. Behold. So the prophecy concerning Christ is, Behold your king. Behold your king, for he cometh sitting on an ass, on the coat, the foal of an ass. What reverence is that to us? Well, the ass that he got had never been broken, y'all. Christ was specific in telling his disciples which ass to bring him. Bring me the ass that's, this, that's tied up over here in this certain area that never man sat upon. Nobody ever broke him. Nobody ever convinced that ass to be, to be kind for Jesus when he wants to sit on you. This shows how God breaks and bends by the wind of his spirit. When they brought the wild ass to the Lord Jesus Christ, he simply climbed right on top of it and it did not kick or anything. Shows the power that God has. Shows the lamb (laughs) what power the lamb has over the wild ass. That's how God works. That is a good lesson to behold your king. That's how he tamed me and that's how he tamed you. All right. Now, this is the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot who was verily, uh, who who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. He was was before appointed to this. This was his, (laughs) you know, this was his purpose and design before he ever came into this world in the womb of Mary before God ever formed the earth. This was his purpose and design. He was before ordained, before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for you. Now let's look at cause and effect a little bit more. Who by him do believe? You did not believe on your own. So, so does, this, does this reflect in the scripture somewhere? Well, sure it does. Uh, 1 John chapter 5, he says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Well, how do you believe that Jesus is Christ? Because you're born of God. You're born from above. It's your kingdom. It is your kingdom. You can see it. You can enter into it. God has given it to you. God has has left it on this earth. And and, and God be praised while we're on this earth, in this kingdom. But one of these days, there'll be a perfect praise going on in heaven by all of these that, that, that we are talking about here. But by the way, Peter addresses this epistle to God's elect to God's elect to his chosen those he loves those Christ died for they are a number that no man can number of every kindred, tongue, tribe, nation you don't have to take the gospel somewhere to get somebody to go to heaven That, that you know that I don't have time to get into all that but God will work his own work just like He works the wind. You can't control it. You can't control God. God's going to have His. Christ says, I'll lose none. I'll raise Him up the last day. Everyone that's going to be raised up that last day, you can rest assured, those are the ones given to Christ. Those are the ones that Christ went to the cross for. Those are the ones that were redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And that's how He believed who by Him do believe in God. That raised Him up from the dead and gave Him glory, that your faith and your hope might be in God and not in yourself. Not in yourself. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Now how do you do this? He tells us cause and effect. Through the Spirit. you got to have the Spirit to be obedient. you got to have the Spirit of God to be obedient to God. That just makes sense, doesn't it? So, So somebody who says... Well, do you need to do this and do that in order to get born again? I say that person who does that, this and that, and they do it with a pure heart, it's because they are born again. They have the Spirit. Cause and effect. A glorious, glorious theme in the Bible that God gets the praise every time and we still get to serve Him as we should. Because this part here is probably not underlined in people's Bibles. Right? Right? How many many of us knew this existed? In obeying the truth. Why why do you obey the truth? Because, just like in Romans chapter 1, Paul said, I mean Romans chapter uh, uh, 6, the Apostle Paul said, uh, But God be thanked that you were the servant of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of gospel that was preached unto you. Notice where it comes from. It comes from the heart. How does somebody obey from the heart? God changes the heart. He changes the heart. He bends the sinner to the will of Himself. So God works in you both to will and to do. You can't will or do without God working in. But do not think that just because we, 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 uh, we, we say that, as to prove that. And that's a proving point. But also remember, we are to will and to do. Because Jesus Christ says, Not every man that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into my kingdom, but he that doeth the will of my Father in heaven. How many old Baptists, how many people defer the kingdom of God to worldly riches, to worldly just just having a good old life and to your your own uh, uh, ways and uh, and, and your own God being your belly. You know, that's what Paul says, whose God is their belly. That just means your desires. You just simply serve other things. That's not your design. That is not how God designed or why God designed you to serve Him. God says He works in you both to will and to do. But you can't have either if you don't work in. And what God works in, He commands us to work out. That's simple. Anybody can understand that. All right. And this is to unfeigned love for each other. That our love to each other does not falter because it's a commandment of Christ. Christ commands His disciples to love each other as He has loved them. <clears throat> that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. How can all of this take place? Being born again. There you go. Being born from above. Not of a corruptible seed, that mom and dad, flesh is flesh. But of an incorruptible one, the spirit. By the word of God. Remember that word, the decreed word, the living word, and the gospel. This is not the gospel. All right. This doesn't, because I'm going to prove this. He's not talking about the gospel. It doesn't make sense. It will not make sense at the end. But by his decreed word that was fulfilled by the living word. That is what abides forever. Which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass. Here we go again. And all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower falleth away. Why? Because they're born again. Because they're bro- Because the Spirit of God bloweth upon them. Because. But that word endures forever. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. Now, if this was the gospel, this was how this would read. <clears throat> because the uh, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. forever. And this is the word which by the, this is the gospel which by the gospel is preached unto you. That don't make sense, does it? This is God's decreed word that the living word himself has fulfilled, and it did not return to God void, that the gospel declares unto you. The gospel declares this. Now, there's three witnesses of how God blows upon the grass, flowers fall away, the glory just (laughs) diminishes, and yet they're in better shape than they ever were. Strange, isn't it? We've got a strange, strange way of salvation, but it's God's way. Doesn't make sense to man, but you know, if God did everything that makes sense to us, that, then he wouldn't be God. I mean, if he has to, if he has to adapt to make things make sense to us. He would not be God. He's sovereign. So three witnesses speak the, the same three things, um, so that we have comfort in the Scriptures. May God add His blessings richly upon each and every one of you.